Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? That's where we're going to stop for this week. Um, Jesus encourages us to do three things, to ask, to seek, and to knock. Um, three things that I think are they are all kind of similar and a little bit overlapping. They're not three totally different things, but maybe each one brings a slightly different uh, flavor. Um, where a lot of people enjoy the fact that in English, they're made memorable by the first letters. So the first letters spell the word ask down the ways. Um, it is worth saying that doesn't work in any other language. Um, so we maybe shouldn't make too much hay out of that, but it helps us remember in English. It doesn't work in Greek that the New Testament was written in. Um, it, it's often been observed, you maybe heard people say, the verbs here, or a little bit of grammar this morning, are present tense imperatives. And in the Greek, they very much carry the sense of continuous action. So it's not just ask once, seek once, knock once, but it's ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Um, maybe that, that could be read as an encouragement to persistence in prayer. So, you know, keep knocking and keep praying until something happens. And that's something Jesus talks about elsewhere. Um, I think here in Matthew 7, it has more to do with this being a way of life that at the very heart of our lives is a conversation with our Father where we are always asking, always seeking, always knocking. This is just the everyday bread and butter of our relationship with the Father. It's not about a momentary transaction, but it's about a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's a way of walking, just to be always asking, always seeking, always knocking. And so maybe it's worth pausing right away and asking, um, is asking and seeking and knocking at the heart of the way you live? Um, or maybe we could ask more specifically, that's too many asses. Um, what are, what at the minute in your life, what are you asking for from the Father? What are you seeking after? What door are you knocking on? Um, I wonder, can you answer that question? Maybe give it a little bit of thought this week. Um, how are you asking and seeking and knocking at the minute in your life? If this is to be the way we always live and, and always relate uh, to the Father. Uh, and of course, whenever we read this passage, we we tend to be kind of floored by the, the promises that Jesus gives. They are amazing promises. Uh, and he repeats each of them a couple of times to make sure we got them. Um, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And then in case we didn't get it, he says again, Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. 
the one who knocks the door will be opened. Um, there are amazing promises that Jesus gives. Um, I find, I don't know about you, I find when I started thinking about this passage, um, immediately lots of questions were stirred up in my mind about prayer. Um, and there's all kinds of like theological and practical questions about God's sovereignty and about why we need to ask when God already knows and about especially maybe about unanswered prayer and about how all, how all of this works. I have, a, I have a thousand questions about prayer. But I found as I was thinking about this passage this week, um, God kind of kept nudging me, bringing me back to a very kind of simple challenge, which is this, that, and I think this is true, that the truth of these words from Jesus can only be learned by living them. That there, there's maybe a danger if we want to solve all our puzzles first, if we want to understand them all perfectly uh, first, we, we may find that we endlessly ponder and think and pontificate and theologize and discuss and we never get around to doing what Jesus commands. And I think there's a really important principle here. We come to understanding by entering in to the lifestyle that Jesus calls us to with a kind of childlike simplicity. If we want to discover the truth of these amazing promises, we don't discover it by theoretical theologizing. We discover it by jumping in to the way of life that Jesus is calling us to. We could put it another way and say wisdom will come as we walk in this way. This gets into your heart through your feet and not so much through your head. Um, you've got to start living this way, asking and seeking and knocking. Um, so that's kind of the, the simple challenge that I want to put to myself and to you this morning. Um, I do want to say, take a moment and say something very important um, uh, that, that, yeah, that, that I think is important. Um, some of you here this morning, um, or some of you listening at home, um, may be in a, in a place in your life right now where you have been asking and seeking and knocking for a long time, maybe for something very deeply um, in your heart, something really uh, important, and nothing seems to have been happening. And it's really important we say this morning that experience can be really painful and confusing, and it can lead even to a kind of crisis of faith. Jesus promises this, and I've been asking and seeking and knocking, and nothing seems to be happening. Um, and if you're in that place this morning, I don't want to skip past that. Um, I want to encourage you, if you're in that place this morning, to be honest with God about it, um, to do what so many people in the Bible do, and come to God and say, where are you, God? And why are you so far from me? And why are you silent? And when are you going to fulfill these promises? Um, God invites that kind of honesty all through the Bible um, from his children. And I also want to encourage you to find someone you trust, find a friend, a mentor, um, someone you trust, and be honest with them about it too. Those are really important things to wrestle with. Um, don't bury them. Don't skip past them. Don't hide them. Be honest with God, be honest with someone else. Um, and I do want to encourage you, um, this is something many believers have walked through before you. And if you can keep an honest heart with God and with those around you, you can come out the other side with a deeper, more authentic faith than ever before. And many have walked that out in their lives before you as well. So I kind of wanted to say that in case some of you have 
that bell ringing and going, this is all very well and good, what I am saying, but um, I have this big thing going on in my, my life and my heart. Um, so I did want to say that. But having said that, um, I want to say something kind of blunt and challenging to the rest of us. Because um, as I've been wrestling with this passage, I keep coming back to this, and I'm very much talking to myself. Um, I don't think that is where most of us are most of the time. In other words, I don't think most of the time our trouble is that we're wholeheartedly, passionately asking and seeking and knocking and struggling with unanswered prayer. Um, I think most of the time our asking and our seeking and our knocking is kind of feeble and kind of half-hearted and kind of sporadic and occasional. You can tell me later this week if you think I'm being hard on myself and on you, but I, I, I'm not sure that I am. I think most of the time our asking and our seeking and our knocking um, is a little bit half-hearted. Um, the center of our life most of the time is our own ideas and plans and strategies and wisdom. And we pray a little bit sometimes. We ask God for a little bit of help to make our plans work out okay. And it's a kind of little decorative flourish. It's a kind of afterthought to the things that are really central. It's not the center and the heartbeat of our lives. And I think in this passage, Jesus is calling us to a life where our conversation with our Father is the center from which everything else flows, is the kind of engine and heartbeat and wellspring of our lives. That's the way Jesus lived. Everything came from his conversation with the Father. And that's the way that he calls us to live as well. So to paraphrase G.K. Chesterton, I think this way of life that Jesus is talking about, it's not so much that we've tried it and found that it doesn't work as that we haven't really tried it a lot of the time. We haven't jumped wholeheartedly into this life that Jesus is calling us to. And I guess I want to encourage myself and you this morning, when we step into this life wholeheartedly, a life where we are always asking and seeking and knocking, we will discover the truth of these promises. We will find that we are always receiving and always finding and always finding doors swinging open. That will be our common experience in our, in our lives. Uh, I don't know if you find when you talk to people about prayer, um, my friends who are skeptical uh, will sometimes say, well, John Mark, those things that you think are answers to prayer, those are just coincidences. Uh, or maybe they'll pull out a big word and say, that's just confirmation bias. You're, you're looking for the answer to your prayer, and so you see patterns and things where there are no patterns, really. Um, and one of the things I've got to say very honestly is I can't prove to you logically that that isn't true. It could be coincidence. It could be confirmation bias. But I believe that there is something that happens when we ask and seek and knock which can't be explained in those ways. Um, let me tell you my, my very simple experience, and you can see if this matches your own. Whenever I go through periods in my life where prayer is kind of pushed to the margins and is kind of an afterthought, where my conversation with God is kind of pushed to the edges, um, I go through my days and I don't see many signs of God. I don't hear much from God. I don't see many miracles. I don't see many signs of God's kingdom breaking in. Life becomes a little bit predictable and dull. 
But in the seasons of my life where prayer is at the heart of my days, where that conversation with my father is at the center, I start to see signs of God all around me. I start to see God is moving and acting and speaking, and I see miracles of new life and new creation, and maybe a little bit like Jacob, uh, I end up saying, God was in this place, and I didn't realize it. And maybe even, if I can put a poetic flourish on it, I see angels descending and ascending on the Sandal Center and on the Mount Sandal Road. I realize that, that the miraculous is going on around me. God is at work all the time. Um, now, what, what's going on there? I think there are two things going on. One is, uh, one is that we are always surrounded by miracles and wonders. We're always surrounded by God at work, but our eyes are dull and we don't see those things. Um, we, we trudge along with our head down and don't notice. And as we pray, as we ask and seek and knock, our eyes get opened and we notice the glory that was all around us all along. That's not confirmation bias. That's waking up to what is real, that I'd, I'd been too sleepy to notice. Um, but also, so that's one thing that's going on. But also, as we ask and seek and knock, there are going to be things that happen in the world. Beautiful things and healing things and miraculous things and new life things and new creation things that would not have happened if I had not prayed. Right? And that, that's the bit, I know that's the bit that can kind of blow our minds philosophically and theologically and we're not quite sure how to get our heads around that. But I think we need to take Jesus at his word that our prayers make a difference to what happens in the world. The story turns out differently because we pray. God takes our prayers into account as he works out his beautiful plan for the world and for history and brings it towards its good end. There will be things that happen because we pray that wouldn't have happened if we didn't. I wonder, do you believe that that's true? James, uh, in his book, puts it negatively and says, you don't have because you don't ask, right? That's, that's the negative side of it. But the positive side is when you do ask, things happen, right? Um, that can't be accounted for in other ways. Um, the more we enter into this lifestyle of asking and seeking and knocking, the more we will experience the truth of these promises that we are always receiving and always finding and always walking through open doors. Um, maybe to bring it a wee bit more down to earth, um, Jesus helps us to understand these things by giving us an illustration from everyday life. Um, he asks us to think about our experience of parents and children. Um, and this is some, something I think we can all relate to. If you haven't been a parent, you have been a child uh, with parents, um, and you, you know other people, and you've watched other people, you've watched parents with children. Um, Jesus, of course, acknowledges that our human experience of parenting is deeply flawed. And in fact, he uses a word that maybe sometimes when we read this passage, we might flinch from. He says, you, even though you are evil, right? And we can kind of flinch from the, the strength of that word. But can I tell you a little bit of the truth? Um, at my worst as a parent, I can be deeply selfish. I can be deeply impatient and bad-tempered and harsh with my children. I can speak words in my tiredness and my impatience 
that wound my child. Or I can be distant and preoccupied and caught up with my own stuff, my own grown-up stuff that I think is much more important. And I can miss completely what is going on in my child's heart or my child's life. I, I participate, I believe, in those moments in the evil of the world. Um, it's, it's a strong word, but there are times when I need to hear that word. But what I love here is Jesus doesn't want to focus on our parenting at its worst. Mm, excuse me, that was a little part of something on my brace that has broken off. That is, just ignore that. We'll cut that out of the, the video. Um, uh, Jesus doesn't want us to focus on our parenting at its worst. He wants us to focus on our parenting at its best. He says, even though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Um, our parenting at its worst shows us uh, what is wrong in our world, shows us the evil that is in our world. But our parenting at its best is a little echo, a little glimpse of the heart of God. And so whatever we see in human parenting that is good, we can multiply that and say, how much more is our Father in heaven like that? So I just want to take a few minutes, because I find this really encouraging, to focus on our parenting at its best and ask, what can we learn about our Father in heaven? I want to just observe a few simple things with you that I think are true of our human parenting at its best. Firstly, um, we give good gifts even when our children don't ask, right? So if your kids stopped asking you for things, would you stop feeding them and providing for them and caring for them or planning holidays or surprises for them? Of course you wouldn't. You would still provide what they need and more. And I want to say to you this morning, how much more does your Father in heaven even in the seasons when you pray little, when you forget to ask or seek or knock, he still cares and provides for you and gives you good gifts. And in fact, it says in the Bible a number of times, even when we rebel against God, he continues to let the sun shine on us and the rain fall on us and he gives good gifts, even in those circumstances. So there's one thing we can learn from looking at our parenting at its best. Second thing about our parenting at its best is we welcome our children asking. Now, I'm talking about at our best here, because at our worst, um, our children's asking, where's us out and where's us down? But at our best, we are glad that our children feel free to ask. They come and say, can we have such and such for dinner sometime soon? Because it's my favorite. They come and say, can I have a friend come for a a sleepover, they come and say, can I get my ears pierced? Um, it's a really important part of the parent-child relationship. And we, at our best, we don't just say, I'm the parent, I'm sovereign, I know best. We want to know what our child desires. We want to know what's in their heart. And so again, we want to say, how much more with your father in heaven? He invites us again and again to come and ask, and he doesn't get worn out by our asking, but he asks us, as Jesus said to, to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He comes to us and says, what, what do you want me to do for you? He, he invites our asking and he welcomes our asking. Third thing, our parenting at its best, we love being able to say yes. 
You know that thing when your child asks you some, something and you say, well, well, we'll see, we'll see. And then you talk it over with your spouse later on and you kind of go, I think we could, I think we could do this. And then when your child comes home from school, you sit them down and you tell them you're going to do that thing that they asked for and you see that smile break out on their face. I think it's one of the real simple joys of parenting. We love when we're able to say yes. And again, I want to say how much more with your father in heaven. He loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves when he can do that in response to your asking. He loves to see that delight on your face. Um, Fourth thing, as parents at our best, is sometimes we need to say no or not yet. Um, If we let our kids choose the menu every night, they would not have a very balanced diet. They would not be very healthy. They would not learn to love a great variety of foods. If we let them decide how much time they were going to get on their screens, that would be tremendously damaging to their minds and their emotions and their development. So the loving parent says quite often, no or not yet. And of course, part of what we're hoping for is that their desires and their appetites will change and they will learn over time to ask for better things. And again, I want to say how much more with our Father in heaven. Sometimes he will need to say no or not yet, but always he is acting for our good. He wants us to become healthy and holy and whole. He wants our desires and our hungers to mature so that we want and desire what is good. Sometimes he needs to say no. Fifth thing, uh, when we say no, sometimes the child can understand and sometimes they can't. Um, Whenever we have to say no or not yet to our kids, they will usually ask, why not? Uh, when I am not at my best, I will I will say, as parents through the, through the ages have done, because I said so. Um, when I'm a little bit more at my best, I will try to explain in a way that the child can understand why I'm saying no. Um, just to give one example, I, I feel quite passionately about screens and screen time and those things. Um, and we draw quite strong boundaries for our kids. But I, I give my kids articles from the newspaper about how social media and smartphones are damaging the brains of children and causing depression and making them unhappy. And I say to my kids, I don't want that to happen to you. And I allow them to understand a little bit of the reasoning. Um, But here's the reality. Sometimes when we try and explain, sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. And sometimes you have to say to them, I hope when you're a bit older, you might understand why we're saying no. And sometimes when they're a bit older, they'll get it. And maybe sometimes they'll never quite understand the random rules that their dad made in their home. But again, I want to say how much more with our father in heaven. Um, I think he doesn't mind us asking why or why not. Um, And again, there are lots of examples in the Bible, but he, he is patient with us. And he will try to help us understand. And sometimes we will get it. And sometimes we won't. And sometimes we'll understand a little later, looking back. And sometimes we're not going to understand until we get to glory. I think that's the way these things work out in our lives. But the last thing is this. 
that at our best as parents, we're always looking for ways to love and bless our child. In other words, at our best, um, we don't just say yes or no or not yet and then send our child away and forget about them till the next time they come and ask. We are always thinking about our kids and their well-being and always thinking of ways to care for their basic needs and always thinking of ways to surprise them with good things. And even as I say that, I realize my wife is much better at all of that than I am. But I also want to say how much more with our Father in heaven. He's not just thinking about you when you're talking to him. He's always watching over your life and his heart is always for you and your well-being, and he's always at work for your good and for your blessing. And he's always, if our eyes are open, giving good gifts and opening doors. Um, And just as we finish, I hope some of that makes sense, just thinking a wee bit about parenting and maybe what it teaches us. Um, The prayer is not like a vending machine where you put in your request and type in the number and get the bag of Skittles that you were looking for. Um, It's not a transaction with God. It's a real living relationship with your father who loves you and who loves to give good gifts to his children. And he invites you this week to come and to ask and to share your desires with him. And he invites you into a lifestyle of asking and seeking and knocking. And my encouragement to you this morning and to me, as you enter into that lifestyle more and more, you will find that Your days are full of signs of his presence and signs of his love and generosity. And you are receiving good gifts and you're finding what your heart longs for. And you're finding open doors into new adventures. I want to encourage you, we can't know these things just in theory. So jump into them this week and find out in practice. Wisdom will come as we walk in this way. Um, Let's pray together, and then we're going to sing again. Father, I want to take a moment, and I want to pray for those in the room today or those at home who are really struggling with the pain of unanswered prayer. And I want to pray, would you be really close to them in their wrestling? Would you let them know that they can be honest with you about that struggle? Would you help them find another person they can trust to be honest with about that as well? And would you bring them through the other side of that wrestling to a place where again they have really deep confidence that you're their good father who loves to give good gifts to your children? Father, I pray for the rest of us, would you would you help us not to be half-hearted in our asking and seeking and knocking? Would you help us to jump into this lifestyle, that this would be the heartbeat of our days? And Father, as we do that, I pray that we would discover again and again that these promises are true and that our Father really loves us. And we'd be surprised again and again by your love and your kindness and your generosity in our lives. Father, help us to learn these things in practice and not just in theory. Write them into the fabric of our lives. Um, We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.